Let's talk about faith and love. Can we talk about faith and love today? Faith gets its energy from love. Faith works by love. And uh, in Matthew 8, 11, if you want to go there, I think it's verse 11. I'm not going to look it up, so you can check it out for me. But Matthew 8, 11, the Bible says that Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. Is that what it says? Am I in the right verse? Okay, verse 10. Missed it by one. We're working it out. <laughs> Who was that saucy person back there? <laughs> he marveled at the man's faith. In Luke chapter 7, same thing with the Syrophoenician woman. The Bible says that he marveled at his faith. And I was thinking about what Joanne said on Thursday night, talking about the shots that the Hubble telescope is taking of some of the beautiful pictures we get from outer space. And Jesus didn't marvel at any of that. But he marveled at a man's faith. He marveled at a woman's faith. I'm glad that he used a man and a woman to prove that it will work for anybody. Knowing that, you know, the, the man was a Roman centurion, wasn't even in the covenant with Israel. And the woman was a Syrophoenician, also not in the covenant with Israel. And so if it'll work for them, <laughs> no, it's about time to, mar to, to cause God to marvel. Another time he marveled, and the other, other time I can find it, is in Mark chapter 6 and verse 6. They went to his hometown of Nazareth, and they treated him like a church treats a pastor after a pastor's been around for a while. Ordinary. No, no, and we are ordinary. We're flesh and but, but missing the anointing. And so Jesus marveled at their unbelief. Can you imagine? We don't want God to marvel at our unbelief. And, you know, when you read it in the Greek, it says that he was totally astonished that they wouldn't believe. Well, they knew him as the carpenter's son and the carpenter and all of this and that. But my Bible says in Acts 10, 38, that God anointed this carpenter's son, Jesus of Nazareth, not Christ of heaven, with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him, with him, with him. Well, I know he didn't, he didn't heal all that were oppressed of the devil because I just read Mark chapter 6. But whenever somebody would receive the anointing, look at the anointing and look past the human flesh, they got what they sought from God, right? And so, and so we need to know how this works. If you read verse 7, I think in Mark chapter 6, it says that then he went about teaching. And we, we, no, no, but we always picture Jesus going around healing and working miracles, but he spent a good amount of time teaching people the word of God so that they could get out of their unbelief. See, it's like, it's like what I know today, I'm very grateful to my teachers for because God led me to some of the best teachers on the planet. But I run into other people in the body of Christ that didn't get that opportunity. And so it's not my opportunity to put them down. It's my opportunity to lift them up if they will. Like, you know, there's churches closed right in here in our city because of fear. But again, it's not rational. Fear is not rational anyway. You know, some people are afraid to get on an elevator. Does that make sense to you? Fear of the dark. Fear of going out in public places. The biggest fear that most humans experience is fear of public speaking. And I know what that's like because the first time I preached, I tied my necktie around my legs to keep them from knocking together. But, you know, you face those things. The Lord said to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and have a good courage. He started telling them that in Deuteronomy chapter, the last chapter of Deuteronomy, and he continued all the way through chapter 1 of the book of Joshua. And so it tells me that he was having lots of opportunities to be, to be scared. How many of you know you're going to get some opportunities in these last days? 
My daughter called in the middle of this. My daughter, you know, she's backslidden, right? So she called from Toronto. She said, Dad, my friends wanted me to call you and ask you what you think of all this. <laughs> I said, well, you're all going to hell. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, what I actually told her was, don't worry about this, baby. This is not it. What they're talking about is in the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and beyond. And if you'll notice in the book of Revelation, the first three chapters are to the church. And then chapter 4 and verse 1 says, come up here. And I'll show you what's going to happen after that. The church has gone from chapter 4, verse 1, to chapter 19 when we come back with Jesus. So a lot of the things that they're prophesying are happening right now is not this. This is just, to, to me, it's like, y'all better wake up and find yourself a good church and find out God loves you. He's not mad at you. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to reconcile you back to his father. So my last words to my daughter was, hey, if things start happening, I'll come and get you. That's what a father says, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Anyway, let's go to 2 Thessalonians, please, in chapter 1. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I would move heaven and earth to get to her if, if something was going on. And I'm just Gary. Think of who you serve. You think he's going to leave you in a mess? You think he's going to leave you with some kind of number 19 deal? Watch out for number 19. Hallelujah. Don't tease people. Okay. Anyway, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 3. Somebody coughed in here. Run. No, my son in Toronto sneezed in a big crowd uh, two days ago, and the whole crowd stopped. Like, you don't know how bad it is in Toronto. Like, like you know, like my daughter lives in a high-rise, and uh, so they got, I think, 40 floors that come down. And on the elevator, people are wearing blue rubber gloves and masks. The whole place is freaking out. And one person in Canada died, which probably would have died anyway. <laughs> And it, no, but it's mass hysteria. It's crazy. So here's, but here's, we, I found us in uh, Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. That's 2 Thessalonians. That's 2 New Covenant Ministries Church. Chapter 1 and verse 3. We are bound, he said, to thank God always for you, brothers, as it is necessary because that your faith grows exceedingly and your love, every one of you all toward each other, abounds. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Now, when you think about laws, you think of the laws of thermodynamics, and you think of the natural, like laws of gravity and natural things. Romans 3.27 says, there is a law that governs the universe called the law of faith. And what makes it a law is every time I drop this, it falls. There's no time that I'm ever going to drop it and it's going to stay halfway down. Well, it's a law. It works every time. So the law of faith is governed by the word of God and it works all the time like the laws of electricity are governed by, okay, so we come in here in the morning and we turn on light switches and the lights come on. Did we supply the light? No, we hit the switch. Nova Scotia Power supplied the light. God has supplied his word. He supplied the light. And all you need to do with your faith is turn it on. You don't have to walk up to the switch in fear. Oh, I hope it works this time. No, no, but we think that we have to feel something to be in faith. You don't have to feel anything. You don't have to feel it. If you feel it, it's not faith anyway. It's emotion. Faith is not something that's felt. Faith is from your heart. And faith has got a corresponding action called believe. Faith is a noun, but believe is a verb. It means you're going to act on the word of God, right? So here they are. They've got their faith is growing and abounding. So obviously Romans, or Romans chapter 10 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So even faith doesn't come by having heard the word of God any more than I ate yesterday, so I'm not going to bother eating today. No, it, it's a daily Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, and it's a daily thing. 
So when you make your diet the word of God, faith will come. My Bible says faith comes by hearing. The best place to hear it is when it's coming out of your mouth. So the rule of the universe verse is faith works. Faith, matter of fact, faith holds everything together. This pulpit was produced by the word of God. The chair that you're sitting in, I know somebody manufactured it, but they manufactured it out of something that God provided. His substance is here. Here. So the substance of things hoped for and the evidence is not yet seen, you're operating in it all the time. You sat down in that chair this morning, you came in and sat down, you didn't check the legs out first. Right? You had faith that when you sat down, matter of fact, you'd be shocked if it didn't. So their faith was growing exceedingly. But I notice also that their love was parallel to that. So when I read that, I thought, well, you know, faith, Mark eleven twenty two. 22, Jesus said this. He said, have the God kind of faith or have God's faith. Then he said, whosoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe the things that he says will come to pass. That man will have whatever he says. So three times he talks about what you say. And one time he talks about what you expect, what, what you believe. But the, the cool thing about this mountain is it's made by words. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I remember the first when I first started listening to Kenneth E. Hagin and reading some of this stuff. I'm thinking, God, you cursed a fig tree and it died. And you want me to believe that, but now you're going to talk about a mountain? I wasn't even getting to the fig tree yet. But then I began to realize that I talk to things all the time. What do you say to your car if it won't start? What do you, you know, like the, <laughs> you prophesy over it, right? <laughs> no, probably not. No, but so, so, but then Mark eleven twenty three says that. Then Mark eleven twenty four says, uh, uh, therefore, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and they'll be delivered unto you. But the next verse talks about forgiveness. So when I read Thessalonians 1, 3, I see that my faith won't go any further than my forgiveness. My faith won't supersede my love walk. I can be trying to operate in faith, but if I've got something against you, my faith is just not going to work. And so if I've been speaking to the mountain and it's still there, then I don't need to check with God. I need to check with Gary and see where I have missed it. Now, I know that some of you have mountain ranges. It's not just a mountain. It's been there for a long time. But the point is, God said, when you speak to it, when you're walking in love and you speak to any situation in faith, not only is it removed, but it's cast into the sea. Not only is it removed, but it's not ever coming back again. It's over. You see that? It's over. But again, Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Uh, whosoever, it starts with, will have whatsoever. So I can have whatever I say. So if I can have whatever I say and things aren't working out for me, then I need to check what I've been saying. And what really brought this, you know, to mind again is like, I don't know how many of you are reading the Bible through with us this year. We try to do it each year and probably a handful of people actually do it. And why do you do that? It's boring. No, we do it because did you know that in every synagogue in the world, on any given day, the half hour reading is the same in any synagogue, whether you're here in Halifax or whether you're in Israel or wherever you go, because they believe that that helps them to stay in one accord, helps them to stay in unity. <laughs> but no, not in North America. Well, I'm not going to read that because the pastor said to read that. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I know. I know I was one. <laughs> oh, yeah, at Rock Church. When I was a member of Rock Church, they would get out there, dance, children, dance. This is the year of Jubilee. And I'm saying, ain't nobody going to tell me to dance. <laughs> would you say I had an attitude problem? None of you have experienced that. That's why I like sharing with you because it'll, it'll encourage you to pray for me. What's that running around the church for? That's a bunch of foolishness to me. Well, that's cool. But God wants you to get foolish in front of him. Yeah. 
No, you don't know what it busts out in the spirit. You don't understand. If you understood, you would do it. If nothing else, it'll get rid of the pride that you've been dealing with your whole life. <laughs> Getting saucy now. Okay. <laughs> no, but again, if you're not happy with what you have in life, you need to check out what you've been saying. If you're not happy with where you are in life, check out your mouth. Deuteronomy 30, 19, he said, I've set before you this day life and blessing, death and cursing, but it's a no-brainer. Choose life words that you and your seed will live. Choose life words because it doesn't just affect you. It affects your children. They, they need to grow up in an atmosphere of expectation that God's going to do something great in their lives. Not, uh-oh, how are we going to pay this bill? It should never be, uh-oh, how are we going to pay this bill? It's, hey, God, you got mail. No, he said he'd supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If a bill comes in the mail, it's his, it's not mine. Hallelujah. Well, because we've been reading through the Bible, we read through the book of Numbers. And, and um, for those of you that read with us, you know where the book of Numbers is. Okay. <laughs> Don't be saucy today. And here's, we're, in, we're in Numbers chapter 13. You know, that's when they had the grasshopper complex. They said that they, that they were grasshoppers in their sight and in the sight of, the, of the, the Amalekites. I can't imagine anybody walked up and said, do I look like a grasshopper to you? I don't, think they, I don't think they asked. They were sneaking through the land. But in their mind, they embraced the inferiority. And when you embrace inferiority, you'll always speak defeat. That's why, that's why you got to know the love of God. That's why you got to know that, that Christ dwells in your heart by faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the breadth, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge so that you could be filled with the fullness of God. When you know the love of Christ that passes, if you knew how much he loved you, you'd hug yourself. Amen. There's nothing that you can do and nothing that you have done or are going to do that's going to separate you from the love of God. Read Romans chapter 8. Just come back to Numbers 13. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. No, no, some people just need to see this again. It's good. We encourage one another in the Lord. Romans chapter 8, you could live there. If faith is not working for you, live in Romans chapter 8 for a little while. Spend a few weeks there. Read the Bible through with us too. You can do it all. No, reading a couple of chapters of Numbers in the, in, a, in the Gospel of John right now where we're reading, it takes you five, ten minutes, right? Yeah. Anyway, I had people over the years, and no, I'm not going to do that. I know you're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, but you're not disobeying the pastor. If you believe the pastor heard from God, and if you don't, why are you sitting here? <laughs> <laughs> How about Romans 8, 28? You can't jump into Romans without at least touching that verse. Because it says that all the bad things, everything that happens, and nothing happens by accident, everything that's happened is God is working it together for good. And, you know, I like chocolate cake. I don't eat it very often. But if I was to eat the ingredients individually, it probably wouldn't be such a good time. But I know that if you take the ingredients and you mix them together, Hebrews chapter 4 says, I'm to mix everything with faith. So with faith is my mixer. I mix it all together. Then I pop it in the oven. I don't like the heat. The heat's on. The heat's on. But wait, the cake is coming. No, if the heat's on, the cake is coming. <laughs> he said, all things, all things work together for good to me because I'm, because why? Because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. Whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his son. And that's what's happening right now. You're on a, you know, 
you're on a potter's wheel. And, you know, you got to get the bubble soap before you put it in the oven or it'll burst. And so if you're getting rubbed on right now, it's, you got a bubble. <laughs> Moreover, whom he, pre-did, who he predestinated, he called. And whom he called. Now read Ephesians 1, 3 if you're questioning Ephesians 1, 3 and 4 to make sure that you're qualified for this. It says that he chose you in him from before the foundation of the world and he already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. So if he chose you before the foundation of the world, you didn't choose to be here today. He chose you to be here today. Whom he called, he also what? Justified. And I like the definition of justified. Just as if I'd never missed it. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified means. Justified means I can stand boldly in the presence of God. Hebrews 4, 16 says that I could come boldly onto the throne room of grace. Not like the first time I ever went to the bank for a loan. It wasn't all that bold. You're sitting there in a chair and your feet don't even touch the floor. I think they do that on purpose to let your legs dangle. And and then they sit in a big desk. And you ever notice in the bank that the bank manager sits higher than the person in the chair? Anyway, that's got nothing to do with this. Okay. I'm just experiencing my first trip to Scotiabank when I was a kid. Anyway, so he said, be, he said that, you'd be, that you'd be conformed. Look at this. That, that you'd be conformed, predestined that you'd be conformed to the image of his son. He called you. He justified you. And what's the next part of that verse? Verse 30. He glorified you. And then he says, what shall we say? What shall we say to those things of Romans 8.28? What shall we say to these things? Things? God is for me. Who can be against me? I can, I can say Psalm 27. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can a man do unto me? Absolutely nothing. Zero. Matter of fact, read the book of Isaiah and he'll talk about how your enemies will be a zero. A thing of naught. So he said, things, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not. See, this is, the, this is the love verse right here. This is him talking to you right here. If he gave his own son for you as an individual, very personal thing. You as an individual, if, there was, if nobody else, he would have done it for you. Oh, for the joy that was set before him, Hebrews chapter 12 says, the joy that was set before him was you. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame of it. He said, I'm staying here so that they'll know I love them. I'm staying here so that you'll never, ever question my love for you. So then he said, who that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. All sounds like it includes me. I could write my own name in there who delivered himself up for Gary. How shall he be not, look at this. How shall he not with him freely give him all things? So, so nothing, God is, if, if he already blessed me according to Ephesians 1, 3 with all the blessing and nothing's being held back, then I can say, whosoever shall say to this circumstance, be thou removed, cast into the sea, out him away forever. Not dote in my heart, but believe the things that I say will come to pass. I will have whatever I say. So that's, that's a qualifier. I can have whatever I say. Whatever I say, I can have. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can demand what you will and it shall be done unto you. Jesus said, up until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you might receive that your joy will be full. Ask anything in my name. Well, according to his will. Well, his word is his will. I can figure out what his will is. He tells me in 1 John 5, 13 and 14 that if I ask according to his word, I know for sure that I have the petition granted that I brought to him. So if there's any uncertainty, it's not with God. Now let's go back to uh, Numbers chapter 13. Because how you see yourself today is where you find yourself. 
You need to begin to see yourself succeeding in everything that you do. You need to see yourself in Psalm number number one. You're not sitting in this. You're not standing. You're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Standing in the way of the sinner. Sitting in the seat of the scornful. But in His Word, you delight day and night. You'll make your way prosperous. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth your fruit in its season. Your leaf won't wither, and whatever you do will prosper. Expect that whatever you do will prosper, even if it doesn't look like it, Romans 8, 28. Even if it doesn't look like it at the moment, you're not living in the moment. You're living in the Word. And Jesus, you know, that, 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 that mountain that he was talking about, I'd like to reiterate that to people because he was standing on the Mount of Olives when he taught Mark 11, 23 and 24. He said, whosoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed, the disciples automatically in their minds would have went back to Zechariah 14 and verse 5. When the Lord returns, he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives, and it's going to fall to the left and fall to the right and be cast into the sea. And literally, we, I taught this years and years ago, there's a fault line running right through the Mount of Olives right, right now, waiting for the return of the Lord. And when you go there, you realize that it's up against the eastern gate, and the Muslims have got the eastern gate blocked off, thinking they're going to keep the Lord from returning. Plus, they planted their graveyard outside the city wall, because they knew that a rabbi wouldn't walk through a graveyard to defile himself. And so they think this is going to stop. No, no, but you, know, you need to know you're, working in a, you're living in a dumb world. No, no, if you didn't know people were stupid before... Look at the past few days. I don't care how much education you have. You can go and win on Jeopardy. <laughs> or S-T-L-N-E. Those of you that never watched Jeopardy don't know what it is. Anyway, so, okay, but let's look at this. No, but you need to know, you need to talk yourself into what you've been talking yourself out of. You've been looking at your own ability or lack of thereof and talking yourself out of things. My Bible says, Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things, not some, all things through Christ, which strengthens me. It's the word which, because it's not W-I-T-C-H, which. <laughs> He's talking about I can do all things through the anointed one and his anointing, which gives me strength. When the anointing comes on you, you can do anything. Peter walked on the water. Come on, the anointing got on him. And it wasn't until he glared at his circumstances that the natural overwhelmed and overrode what he was doing in the spirit. But my Bible says we can walk in the spirit according to Romans 8.14. Many are led by the spirit of God. They are the sons of God. You can walk in the spirit all the time. You can walk on water now. It might not be literal water, but you can walk out, step out in places where there's been unbelief and walk in great victory. Hallelujah. Well, where are we going to pick this up? So Moses and Aaron sent 12 leaders into the land. And uh, they came back. Verse 27, it says, they told him, they said, when we came into the land where you sent us, surely it flowed with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. And they carried a cluster of grapes between two men on a pole. Pretty good deal. Right now, if you were over in Israel now, well, pretty soon in the spring, you'd walk up and pick up a radish and think it's an apple. Like, you know, when the Bible says that in the last days the desert would blossom like a rose, it has. They could easily be the breadbasket of all of Europe. I mean, things are producing there. Nevertheless, they are bigger. But I'd like to say this too. If you've got a big enemy, you've got a big destiny. No, the bigger the enemy, the bigger your destiny. And I don't care, some of you are all sitting thinking, I've been believing God for 20 years, so what? Moses was 80 years into it before he took off. Jesus didn't do anything for 30 years until John chapter 2, and it says he went to Cana and turned the water into wine, and this was the beginning of miracles, the first one that he ever did. 30 years in training to do something that took him three years. I don't know how long you've been waiting, but just keep on waiting. No, no, even Isaiah 40, 31, they don't wait upon the Lord to renew the strength. The, the better you wait on the Lord, the more strength you get. They don't wait upon the Lord. He's not talking about sitting waiting for a bus. He's talking about serving God. I know some of you people, you've been serving God faithfully for years and years. 
The greater your serve, the greater your strength. Well, I don't feel it right now. It doesn't come about, it doesn't come by natural observation, but the kingdom of God is within. Something is going on in the inside of you that's going to catch up to you on the outside before the Lord returns. Your best, you know, your best days are ahead of you. Don't ever think, don't ever think this thing is winding down now. No, it's firing up now. It's getting ready to fire up on all cylinders. The greatest day of the church is coming upon us now. Come on. Hallelujah. You know, the, you know, the, the false prophets have been telling you, the, oh, <laughs> read your Bible. That's why I tell people, read your Bible. If you're going to read that stuff in the book of Revelation, realize that the church is gone when you're reading it. Read Revelation chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, and he'll tell you what to do there. Overcome this and overcome that, and then you're gone home. But here, here, he said, their promised land was over across the Jordan River. Your promised land is over there in the realm of the Spirit. But it's there right now waiting on you. Don't get to heaven and be disappointed for all the things you could have had and could have done. The gifts of the Spirit want to operate through you, the, the miracles and the signs and wonders that you're waiting on somebody else to show you what to do. The Holy Ghost is in you. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. He'll take, he'll take the things of Jesus and show them unto you and, re and show you things to come. He's, he's expecting you to mobilize. He's expecting you to not be cast down and worried at this time. He's saying, now's the time for you to get fired up. This is, this is Ephesians 5.14. Wake up, he said. Wake up and arise from among the dead, and Christ will give you light. He said, it's time to wake up from this, this dead world and, and take your place in the kingdom of God. And stop looking at your own ability. Stop seeing the grasshopper. Listen, to, you're not going to kill any giants in your life or move any mountains in your life until, the, until you kill the grasshopper in your life. Until you get that, that poor self-image out of your life. No, no, but I, this is what I have found. Discouragement is a conversation I have with myself. But also, so is encouragement. Bless God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you could hear me talking to myself on the treadmill, glory to God. I know it's not much of an example, but for me it is. It's a mountain that needs to be removed. But look at this, look at this. Caleb stilled the people, just like he did in prayer yesterday. Thanks. <laughs> But, but, but it, they, first off, they said the Amalekites dwell in the land. There are people that are better educated than me. There are people that are more qualified than I am. What could I do? I can do all things through the anointed one and his anointing, which gives me strength. I mean, we need to be getting ready to evangelize this world, not to run away from it and rapture the church and get out of here. We need to find ways to mobilize now. We, know, we need to find a way now to plant churches in other communities around here. We need to get that kind of thing going. Thank you, Lord. We're not serving a building anymore. We're serving a vision. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Caleb stilled the people before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That's your confession. We're well, greater is he that is in me. I can overcome. This is the victory that overcomes the world, John 5, 4, even my faith. The men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up. So 12 people, two people said they could, and they did. 10 people said they couldn't, and they didn't. They said they couldn't, and they didn't. They said, would to God that we had died in this wilderness? They did. They got what they said. What are you saying about yourself, about your family, about your loved ones, about this church? You look at this church, and we've got all the seats out now. They're just waiting to be filled. How, how would they get filled, Pastor? Will you go? No, how they get filled is you get so turned on to God. You get so wrapped up in his love that people will follow you here like a pied piper. What is it about you? This world has gone crazy and you're so stable. And you're, you're not talking negative trash all the time. You always have something good and something positive to say. <laughs> no, what am I saying? Bible says I can have what I say. The problem is I've been saying what I have. 
No, I'm looking for some sympathy, so I'm going to tell you how sick I am. And everything, listen, everything that you speak to, you give life to. Like, where do you think that they came up with this idea about talking to plants? It's real. It's real. Everything was created by words, therefore everything is influenced by words. And when you speak life over your church, life over your body, life over your family, life over your finances, it will produce for you. But if you want to get together in a little group and get some sympathy, sympathy will kill you. Sympathy will do you in. You'll be done. You don't need to rehearse the curse. You need to rehearse the word of God. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. I am steadfast. I am unmovable. I am abounding in the work of the Lord. I know my labor is not in vain in the Lord. And when praise and worship starts, I'm right there because this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I will. See, my will is involved. I will rejoice or I will come and sit and see if anything's going to happen. Both my will. I will rejoice. I've got nowhere else that I would rather be today than right here in the fire, in the flame. Thank you, Lord, that I don't see the flame with my natural eye, but my God is a consuming fire, and he's here. Therefore, I am in the flame. My Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 1 that he's fire from the loins down and fire from the loins up. Acts chapter 2 says that he came and sat on us when we got filled with the Holy Ghost. Who sat on us? The one on fire from the loins down and fire from the loins up. There appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire and sat upon each of them. Don't tell me that I don't have anything going on in my life. Hallelujah. I might not, if I keep looking for it in the natural, I'll never find it. But if I, you see, it's like, it's like God will give you anything if you will give it back. And when you're willing to give yourself to him, he's so willing to give himself to you. But you're going to find in the kingdom of God that it's always your move. You want to get fired up in God? Fire yourself up. He said, he's, Paul said, Timothy, stir yourself up. Well, I'm waiting to be stirred. No, stir yourself up and watch what will happen. I've never been drunk in the Holy Ghost. Well, take a drink. Well, I, I don't feel anything. Where does feeling have anything to do with it? You start out with your act of faith, and then, and then it, it, things, things start to happen. I've been laid on the floor to the point where my face was being sucked into the carpet, and I could not move. Could I ever move? Yeah, if I really, you know, like if I really wanted to get back in my flesh, I could move. I'm not saying that I was glued there, but I'm saying I yielded to the Holy Ghost. I believe that when he says, when I confess the word of God over myself and over my situations, I've got them on my iPad, I've got them on my phone, I can, just, I can just thumb along and just confess the word of God over my life every day. Do you? Yeah. Why? Because it's life. <laughs> he said, my words are life unto those that find them and health to all of their flesh. So if his word is life, I need to be reading life and not reading death. I need to be talking life and not talking trash. Hallelujah. I thank God. I thank God for this church. I thank you, Lord, that I'm surrounded by an army of believers. No, no, there's believers and make-believers, and you people are believers. And a lot of you have been through things, and you're still here. Pat yourself on the back. We were over at John and Annette's the other night. I finally pleaded my case for fish and chips. And, uh, and the fish was the best I ever had. John said it wasn't the best he ever had, but I said it was the best I ever had. Yeah, but, but I'm sitting there looking at John and Annette and thinking about all the years that we've got history. And we can look back over the battlefield of life. And we're here. Lots and lots of people that started out where we were, they're not here or anywhere anymore. And if what's going on in the world today doesn't scare them back to the church, I don't know what's going to take. Because I know if I was a backslider now, I'd be here this morning right there. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah there'd be no pride left. It'd be Jesus. Yeah, yeah, sliding into home plate. Hear the umpire say, safe. <laughs> Come on, man. Glad to be home. No, but even the prodigal son, you think about him over in Luke chapter 16. The Bible says that he came to himself, realized he was in the pig pen of life, smelt it, and then he, and then he, and then he acknowledged in my father's house, there's plenty of provision. So he already knew more than most of the church knows today. But he said something. He said, 
I will arise and go to my father. And then he put action behind it. Once he said it, then he believed it. He acted on it. And he came home. And you know the rest of the story. He said, I'm here starving, sick, broke, beat down. How about the disciple? How about the how about how about David with his mighty men? He's in the cave of Adullam. Pastor Paul talked about the other day. He's got discontented, in debt, and dismayed, right? The 3D people. He's got them there. And then later on, when you get to 2 Samuel, he's got 400 mighty men. And, and how prosperous were they? David gave, not a tithe, David gave $1.5 billion to the house of God to the building of the temple of God. And then he looked at those guys that were in debt and distress and discontented, and he said, now what are you going to do? They gave over a billion dollars apiece. These, no, these same guys in 1 Samuel chapter 22 were so down and broken, destitute, they were living in a cave with bat poop up to their knees. I don't know how deep it was, but I know bats live in caves. And poop falls down. You need to know that if you're a plumber. Poop never goes up. Poop goes down. And so unless they were hanging from the rafters with the bats, they were living in the poop. And David said, hey, let's magnify the Lord together. Let's not magnify the bat poop. And, the and they did that. And these years, many years later, and through many trials and struggles and things, it wasn't just an apple falling off a tree and landing on, but they stayed, they persevered past the persecution, they penetrated the promised land of God, and they got, they, can you imagine, but God wants you to imagine. This is not a prosperity preaching, but God wants you to imagine, he wants you to know that the wealth that Solomon had, the wealthiest man that ever lived, is still out there, and it belongs in the kingdom of God. But the church doesn't want to believe God for anything. Well, I don't know about believing for prosperity. Well, when you when when God when God can get it back from you, He will give you everything. He prospered those guys because He knew He would get it back when it comes time to build the temple. <laughs> no problem. I'm mean, you know trying to do one another, write the bigger check. Wouldn't it be nice if you could do that? Think about where you are now and think. Wouldn't it be nice if I could just write the biggest check? Because I love the house of God. Amen. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to live in the tents of the wicked. He had the revelation. And he didn't, that wasn't not his tithe, the $1.5 billion. That wasn't his, and I don't know if it's actually 1.5. When it was worked out a few years ago, that's what it worked out to. These guys gave huge amounts of money because they could. Because somewhere along the line, they believed what David did, that they could kill a Goliath too. They could kill a Goliath the same way that David did, a 17-year-old boy with a rock and a sling. But it wasn't the rock and the sling that killed the giant. It was David said, today I'm going to feed your carcass to the fowls of the air. David said, you're an uncircumcised Philistine, and I have a covenant and a covenant keeping God. So you're in the valley by yourself, but I'm here with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it wasn't really David that killed Goliath. It was God that killed him. It wasn't really God, David that killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands. It was God because he was speaking the word of God. Isaiah 55, 11, God said, my word will not return unto me void or empty, it will prosper, it will accomplish what I said in the earth to do. How's that happen? It returns not by, not by laying there on, on the pulpit, it returns to God when I speak it out of my mouth. He's saying it's the same thing as the rain. And here's another thing that, that the church struggles with. We like planting the seed, but we don't like getting it watered. What's getting it watered? It means when the pastor gets up and preaches that same message over and over again, you need to say, glory to God. I'm getting watered now instead of, oh, I heard that before. No, if you heard it before, you haven't heard it yet. I mean that. If you haven't heard the message of faith, it, when, when, when you really hear it, every time you hear it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's food to me. Oh, yeah, I need to hear that. 
I need to be reminded that I can have whatever I say. Whosoever shall say can have whatsoever they say. So I'm just hanging around with the guys at work and just trash talking? No. Your words are what separates you from the animal kingdom. Your words are what are, are, are your ability to operate in the supernatural. We used to say sticks and stones will break my bones and words. And that's a lie. Words are the most powerful force. Life and death. Come on. Proverbs 18, 20, and 21. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, not the power of God. I know he's omnipotent, but he set it up so that, that, that you have the authority on this earth. You have the birth certificate here. Satan doesn't have a birth certificate here. He's a thief and a robber, and he came up another way. The only real authority, you have to have a birth certificate. Your birth certificate is just like your Bible. It has that same authority. I was born here. I've got a right to be here. God created me to be here, and he gave me authority. He said, let them have dominion over all the earth. He gave us dominion over the earth. He didn't say let us and he took part of it and we take part. He gave it to you and he gave it to me. So if things aren't operating in my life, I can say, God, why aren't you doing this? God's saying, I already did it all. Have you not read Hebrews 1.13, Hebrews 10.13? I'm seated. I'm waiting. And then if you read Ephesians 2 and verse 6, you find out that you're seated too. In heavenly places, in Christ, you can sit in a place of rest because a king makes decrees and they come to pass. The king doesn't make the decree and then go to make it happen. My Bible says that angels are ministering spirits sent to minister unto the ears of salvation. I've got an unseen host. There's more angels in here than there are people, but you can't see them. But they're just as real as whether you can see them or not. And they're there to do your bidding. How do you know that? Because Psalm 103 and verse 20 says, the angels hearken unto the voice of God's word. Well, how does it have voice when I speak it? That's God's word, but it has no voice until I give it voice. And then my Bible says that they hearken unto that. So when I say, I thank you, Lord, that, uh, that I need X amount of dollars for this or, uh, you know, the, the, whatever the, the, the need might be, that they hear that, they, they, they perk up and they, go, and they go and make it happen. They go and make it happen. Matter of fact, it says that, they're, that in the last days, they're even harvesting angels. So I can say, Lord, I thank you that this church is full twice every Sunday morning. And your unbelievable mind would go, right? Is that the first thought you have or is it the first thought you have? Yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah, there's people out there that need to know what we know. Yeah, there's people out there that are dying to go to hell and we need to rescue them. We have an assignment to get them. And it starts with the words of your mouth. I thank you, Lord, this church is full. I thank you, Lord, that the anointing is so strong and the praise and worship people that it affects the people out on the street. Come on, when Azusa Street was going on, people were falling out in their version of the airport. At that time, back in the, the 20s, they were traveling by train. And people were coming into Los Angeles, stepping out of the train, into the train station, into Grand Central Station, and falling out in the spirit. Yes. Was it because? It was because some people decided to believe God. Yes. Said, we're not just singing songs. If we were, then Chronicles 2020 wouldn't be real. He said, send Judah first, and the battle will be run. Read, read the rest of Chronicles chapter 20. It says they took three days to bring in the spoil. Because <sighs> somebody was playing a guitar, and somebody was playing the drums, and somebody was singing. Yes! That's exactly what it was. It wasn't somebody with a gun. It was people that worshipped God. It said, I worship you, God. And if you don't think they were scared... Step out in front of an army that has been vandalizing the neighborhood for years and years. And God says, what do you want us to do, God? I want you to go out like this. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We love you, Lord. Read 2 Kings chapter 6, those, those four lepers. They began to march toward the camp of the enemy. And God amplified the sound of their foots, their feet their feet to make it sound like a mighty army and they killed one another ran off God is not you can't touch him with your head you can't figure out why you would march around a wall six days and then shout on the seventh day and have the whole city wall collapse but picture yourself doing it you haven't met Joshua. 
There's three billion of you. You haven't met Joshua. You don't know him personally. But somebody down the line said, Marie, this is what Joshua said we're going to do. And you say, well, good. What are we going to fight? No, you just walk around and keep your mouth shut. Until I tell you to shout. And when you shout, the glory of God is going to manifest and your enemies are going to be scattered. It doesn't make any sense, but if you'll do it, if you'll do it, if you override whatever fear you're facing, stop trying to figure it out. I can't touch God with my mind. I touch him with my heart. I can't believe God with my head. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think Joanne Thursday night talked about how your mind, your carnal mind, is hostile to the things of God. Your mind does not compute. If I tell you that a man was swallowed by a whale and barfed up on a beach, you can't imagine that. But picture yourself as being him. He didn't want to obey God, so he runs the other direction, and his buddies throw him in the water. And a big fish comes, just when you think things can't get worse, right? How about Samson? How many of you know about Samson? Did you know he's in Hebrews chapter 11? Most of you all wouldn't have let him. Obviously, what he did wasn't too big and too much of a bother for God. Listen to me. If God can overlook Samson and all of his weak things, so can you and I with each other. He puts Samson, mentioned him by name in Hebrews chapter 11, on purpose so you could get a glimpse of the love and the grace of God and that you would love one another like that, that you'd overlook things, that you'd recognize the anointing on people. Everyone's got an anointing to do something in the kingdom of God. Begin to recognize the anointing on people. Just begin to love one another because if you look for something wrong, you'll find it. If you look for something right, you can find it. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.